Now it's time for Inspirational Women and my guest, Diane Haidt, a retired teacher from Southern California who signed on to an amazing adventure. I feel that this can get us thinking of what we might do regardless of our age and definitely get us thinking of the chapter called post-retirement. What can we do? What have we dreamed of? Diane has also written about her experience in her book, A Mongolian Memoir, and she's here to share some insights. Diane Haidt, good morning, and thank you so greatly for being with us today. It's my pleasure, Kate. I'm very excited about talking about Mongolia, uh, every aspect of it. I, I love it. So, uh, yes, thank you for having me. Well, I am just so intrigued by your adventuresomeness, I guess that's the word, and, uh, <laughs> you know, that you spent all that time in Mongolia. And what's interesting, you know, because I think Mongolia, yes, we know it's somewhere over there on the other side of the world. Has it been a place I thought to travel to? No. But in your book, <laughs> you say it's not that you chose Mongolia. Mongolia chose you. Absolutely. Thank you for quoting that line, because that is exactly, I was thinking about that this morning, that, um, you know, things happen in our lives, and uh, maybe negative things, maybe things that we didn't want to happen, but then you turn it around. It's like that saying, you know, I was given lemons, and I made lemonade, and that's exactly how I look at Mongolia. So we're not necessarily calling Mongolia some lemons, though. Or are we? No, no it was what, because I, uh, I was at a crossroads in my life, and I was in my early 60s, 63, 64, and going, I was retired for a couple of years, and I was going through a divorce, and I needed some money. I needed an income. And so um, I sat down with a dear friend of mine, and we did my resume, and I ended up going, wow, who is this person? I look pretty good (laughs) on paper. And so he looked at me. I'll never forget, because this was like a key going into a lock and turning. And he, he looked at me, and he said, what have you always wanted to do your whole life? And I, it, I didn't even skip a beat, Kate. I just, I looked at him and I said, I've always wanted to live and work in another country. And being a teacher, that's what I, I meant, you know, at, at that point, teach in another country. So I pursued all these I, 50 schools. I, I didn't know what to do. And I'm kind of a go-getter anyway. So I just sent my resume to like 50 international schools and rejection, rejection. And then I found out that there's a couple organizations that you can go through that place you. So that's what I did. And um, still, I was rejected mainly because of my age, not by the school, but by the government. Um, China, very restrictive on age. And so um, I had a job. It looked like I had a job in Thailand. But then I got a call from this recruiter in Mongolia. And I thought, hmm, I, you know, give me a day or something like that. And I knew I'm a geographer and I knew about Mongolia. 
um, not that much, uh, obviously, but it sound what I wanted was something different. And what I have said is, I didn't want to just go to Europe because I've traveled to Europe. I wanted a different place, and that's what I got by going to Mongolia. And that's that was the beginning. Oh, I can see how. It was Mongolia that chose you. Although, backtracking just a moment, that question, what have you always wanted to do? What a great question for us to just keep uh, in a tickler file to ask ourselves periodically. Like, what have you always wanted to do? Are we there? It can change and that sort of thing. So that was really very insightful and wonderful of your friend. Yeah, and I... Kate, I totally agree with you. I, I, and, and what I've discovered and, and why one of the reasons why I wrote the book is, you know, people in their third act like me, uh, now I'm in my 70s, they're still, you know, go for it. The sense of adventure has no age limit. And it doesn't. And I told people, you don't have to go to Mongolia. Uh, that, that, that was my thing or that is my thing. But whatever you have secretly kept hidden, you know, inside that you haven't really shared with anybody, not even yourself. And and I really put what I did in that category that I I I kept it hidden. I didn't even know it was hidden. So I I want not just women, but mainly women to, you know, kind of like the saying, go for it, Mm -hmm. you know, do do what you've always wanted to do and don't let anybody tell you. And it was tough in the beginning. Uh, you know, friends and family are like, what are you doing and where are you going? And now <laughs> I've done so many different things that they're, you know, like my sons are just, okay, mom, we know you're on a plane for, you know, such and such. But anyway, that. Yeah, the third act is exciting. <laughs> well, and as it should be, life itself is a gift, to be cliche, but but it truly, it is. And then not to live it to its fullest is uh, it, it's just wrong. And so you're doing that. You're living it. it exactly. And, and a couple people have brought up, you know, well, what about health? And, and yeah, I mean, you have to be healthy. And I am. Uh, I'm fortunate. And and I know some people aren't. But there's other things that they can do. Again, you don't have to hop on a plane and take a 15-hour flight to, you know, Mongolia. Um, But, you know, and if you've got issues health-wise, there's so much out there that, you know, just start writing it down. And, uh, you know, talking to people, going on the Internet and, and doing some research. So um, I think it's important. Our generation, my generation, um, baby boomers, we're the first generation that's really had this opportunity or thought maybe we did have this opportunity because our parents and grandparents, they retired and that was it. And, uh, you know, they just, that was it. And, life expectancy wasn't as long as it is now. Um, But we are, you know, I raised my kids and then I had a career and then I've had this and I'm not done. 
<laughs> I don't know what what awaits me, but it's always exciting to give it a try. And is the teaching part of it, teaching and working in a, in a different country, is that part of it done? Or are you just going to now be traveling? Well, I don't know. And that's a good question. And I'm just going to say I don't know. I have some ideas, maybe do some tutoring uh, in another country. Um, I, you know, we always think we can't do A, B, or C, or A. And and yet we haven't really researched it. And I believe in opening things up to the universe and things happen that you're like, wow, I didn't even know that was available. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's, I guess that's the answer to your question mm-hmm. is I want to be available. I want to be open because we're limited and there's so much out there. I would have never thought in 2009 that I would be spending five years in Mongolia. I mean, I went, what, Who, what, what do you mean? And, um, yeah, so I'm right now I'm open. And I, I think that's important for all of us yes. to be open. Yes, that, that is so perfect that we need to be open, allow ourselves to be led, and then be surprised because if we, otherwise it's limiting, like we make up the answers before anything has happened and, well, we've created our own destiny then. I, I love that, Kate. I mean, that's, you're right, we do that and, and um you know, I shared this with a friend about, oh, you know, maybe I'll see if I can do some tutoring. Like in Mongolia, uh, because of the weather, you really don't want to be there unless you have to be there um, during the winter. Because I I put up, the first winter I was there was the coldest winter in 30 years. And when I say cold, I'm talking minus 20, minus 30, minus 40. And I had no idea that it, it would get that cold. And um, and I almost left. Mm-hmm. I almost didn't see it out, didn't see it through. But I had a principal that first year, and it was around springtime, uh, well, before springtime, but at um, spring break. And she said, just go home for a week and kind of get out of the system. And... Um, and that's what I did. I hopped on a plane, and it's like 15 hours to get back to Los Angeles. And I saw friends and family, and I saw the Pacific Ocean, and I went back, and I was fine. Um, because when they hired me, I was about the only—I think I was the only person from Southern California. Mainly the teachers were from— uh, like Canada or very cold climates. And they were concerned when they hired me. They wanted me, but they went, oh, gosh, she's not used to this kind of weather. And it was tough. It was tough. But then after that, I, I knew what I was getting into. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to like yourself. You have to find it because you're inside so much for maybe four months out of the year. That's a lot. And is school different there? Does it go year-round? Uh, or did you have some big breaks, uh, like we take summer vacations here for school? Yes, I did. 
and they had basically the same schedule that I was used to. I taught in Southern California, and school started oh, probably the end of August, first part of September, and then went through until June. And we had a week in the fall, a week again in like almost springtime. And then they gave international schools usually give teachers three weeks at Christmas. And so that's nice. I would come home for, you know, a month or so in the summertime. And then um, sometimes I didn't come home at Christmas. I would travel. But, yes, it was nice having that that time, that break. So that you also explored Mongolia. You were able to take these treks out into the, <laughs> the Gobi Desert. I mean, my heavens. And sometimes... On your own, I mean, you would have an interpreter and a driver, but still solo. It, oh, I, um, that's an adventure. Yes. The last trip I took out in the Gobi, I was by myself as far as I had a driver and, a, and an interpreter slash cook. And um, so I was by myself, and, and it was fun. The first time I went was in the fall, and a friend had come from Hong Kong. And so that's when, in one of my chapters, where you see the the van, the Russian van, fell into the river. And, you know, we didn't, we, I mean, my first experience was anything like this. And they had to get out and dig out the tires. And my friend, we looked at each other and we went, oh, my gosh, what? What if they can't get, what are we going to do? There's nothing. If you get out of the capital city, Ulaanbaatar, or UB, we call it, um, there's really virtually, there's some villages, but there's nothing. And then I discovered that had had that happened, had we been really caught, he, he finally got the, the van out of the river and uh, after piggybacking us onto the ice. Anyway, you know, we found out that there were gares, which are the the round circular homes uh, that the nomads live in out in the country, that they would have taken us in. They would have fed us. They would have taken care of us. But we, you know, I, I didn't know that. The Mongolians are very, very giving people. And you become part of their family, even though you're not family. And it's something that I learned um, kind of right away after that experience and just working with the Mongolians. They're just wonderful people. So wonderful that. So you did that, you said, for five years. So basically in 2009 to about the mid-teens, right? Well, it is. I... I had a contract for two years, and then I came home for a couple of years, and then I went back for three years uh-huh. with a three-year contract. So I had a break in between the two years and the and the three years, but altogether I was there five years. So, so that obviously again says how much you love the experience. And then you had said to me earlier that you are going back this summer. Yes, I am. I'm going back for the first. I left in 2017, so it'll be six years. And I'm going back in July, this July, for almost the whole month. 
And um, if you remember reading in my book, there's a chapter on my driver, Dawa, nice. and, uh, who was with me for five years. And, uh, and he's picking me up at the new airport in uh, UB, Ulaanbaatar, and I'm so excited to see him. And I'll be staying with friends, and I'll be uh, doing things that I used to do, and it, they're all excited. I'll go out to the Gobi and um, do that for uh, probably three or four or five days, something like that. So I'm, I'm very excited. And I may check into what possible – in fact, I will, not may. I will check into any possibilities that could get me – to Mongolia again in some capacity. Well, I'm opening it up to the universe. And it could be teaching, though, could it? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, Tutoring or something. Absolutely. Yes. It'll be, I think, along the lines of teaching. But, you know, I'm I'm open. I'm uh, (laughs) always looking for the next adventure. I'm a wonderlust person. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is wonderful, and it goes back to you know being being open rather than putting those limitations. It's like, well, I've tutored and I've taught. Well, but who knows what that morphs into and what other people see? Like looking at your resume and saying, "Wow, who is this person?" So, oh yeah, what an adventure. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, it's all coming together. So we'll. Um you know, to be continued, such a beautiful country and um, so much to offer. And you're going in July. So we talked about the winter. I think July is consistent with our summer. We're Northern Hemisphere. And so um, temperatures will be what? It'll be hot. It'll be, um, I I live at the beach, so uh, it'll be Probably in the 90s, um, but that's fine. I've been there in June, and I've also been there in August. And I think, as I recall, August was hotter than June. Um, So, yeah, no winter clothes, no mittens, no Russian hat that I have to wear to keep my head warm. Yeah, all very light clothing. And so this is just really exciting to be going back again, reconnecting with friends and and knowing, you know, thinking about what could this open up to as the next chapter. But let's talk about the current chapters, which are in your memoir, A Mongolian Memoir, which is uh, readily available for all of us to experience what you have done vicariously, right? (laughs) Exactly. Yes. Available on Amazon and available at Barnes and Noble, which is great. And you know the thing, your adventures. You um, well, who knows? Maybe more writing is part of it. Maybe writing in Mongolia about who knows what. But your writing is such a beautiful combination of prose and poetry, and oh, really, you. well, you're what I mean. It's something that you have. So who knows what that can lead to, but it just makes this adventure and it makes the adventure of reading about your experiences so wonderful. You you paint the pictures beautifully. Well, thank you. I um uh, thanks. That that means a lot. 
um, after I finished with Mongolia, you know, I, I was still like, you know, what what should I do now? I spent a couple months, I think it was back in 2019, it was before COVID, I spent a couple months teaching in Italy, and then I got a job in Cambodia uh, right in the middle of COVID, and I had a two-year contract, but they reduced it to a year, and it's such a long story what I went through to get into Cambodia, but I did it, but I had, after being there for six months and right in the middle of all the COVID stuff, I had to leave, not because I had COVID, but just I saw, sort of saw the handwriting on the wall, like, am I going to be able to get back into the U.S., um, vaccines, I'm not sure about that. So, uh, and I was really sad to leave um, because I love Cambodia, I love the people. They're very much like the Mongolians. And so then what I did is I picked myself up after coming back from Cambodia, and I lived for about eight months in Kauai, which oh, I love. Oh, my gosh. That, I know, I know. And But that is where I stayed in this beautiful, beautiful place, um, surrounded by this tropical forest, and that's where I did a lot of my writing for this mm-hmm. book was there. In fact, I told the owners recently, I said, remember all the writing I was doing? I said, well, here, my book is published. So things happen. You wonder, why do things happen? And uh, things happen for a reason. And uh, it was such a, so conducive to writing. And that's where I just about finished the book. I actually came back to Southern California and finished it here. But um, I did a lot of serious writing while I was in in Kauai. Well, I think that's where the poetry must come from. I mean, from you, <laughs> but in this, I love Kauai myself. So it's, well, what, oh. a, what a great place to be doing some writing. It's, uh, I think it's just in, an inspirational place itself. And it's a slower pace of life, ah. which I I talk about. That's another thing that, you know, people say, well, what did you learn? I Being in Mongolia and being in Cambodia and Kauai, I learned to slow down. And it, it really is important to me. And it's hard to do here in Southern California. I, I miss that slower pace of life. I mean... Things get done, but it's not crazy sometimes like it can be. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, yes, I, I do I do miss that. And, and that is something that I try to work on here or, you know, just stay in touch with that slow down, slow down, slow down. Yes. So that's an important lesson really for any, for all of us to learn is about that and what that more hectic, frenzied pace does to our health. You know, some of us can still kind of survive through it, but is it the the best way? And finding that slower pace, uh, that is, uh, that's, that's good learning. Right. And I also learned to, when I say the phrase that we all use, it's Mongolia, <laughs> I learned to, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I learned to adjust and not, 
you know, again, growing up basically in California, in, in America, um, you know, everything is done yesterday, <laughs> kind yeah. of. And, and I was three days into Mongolia. I had just arrived, and this was in 2009 in the summer, three days into Mongolia, and the sewage pipes exploded. And I'm like, oh, my God, what do, what do we do? And so we had to use water and, you know, we had to do whatever to make it work. And that was my learning. That was the beginning of my learning how to just go with the flow. And I remember my principal looking at me on a couple things like, you're going to be okay. You know, <laughs> it's, it's okay. <laughs> oh. yeah. So that was some great experiences and right at the outside outset. And, and there you survived that. So you knew that you were going to be able to get through probably anything else that came along. Go yeah, ahead. I mean, things, you know, things happened. And, you know, again, I, I wasn't in Southern California, and not that we have the answers and they don't, but things are just around the world are done differently, and that's what I, that's what I learned. Tra- I, I've traveled a lot, but traveling and living in a place are two different things, and, um, and so I learned to go with the flow. I learned it's Mongolia. I really... <laughs> I liked who I was becoming, and and that's the person that I want to be. And that you are today. And in addition to that, too, disregarding anything to do with numbers. I think we can get so hung up in our society with numbers. And that's all it is, is a number. You know, I've I've heard it said, how old would you be if you didn't know how old you are? So there you are. (laughs) Isn't that great? That's a great quote. Yeah. I look at that all the time because, yeah, people, you know, want to, and, and they, you know, they don't know. I mean, they, you know, kind of want to put you in a box or, and, and you put yourself in a box too. So it's, Yes, we sometimes are the culprits of doing that. But you are overcoming all of that. And so we've mentioned the book is so readily available at uh, online and at Barnes & Noble. You also share your adventures in a blog. So let's share that address with our listeners, Diane. Okay, it's dianehight-thewanderingnomad.blogspot.com. Dot com, And um, I started that. I had been doing other things on the Internet, but I really wanted to get into the blog. And I started this back in 20, in 2011 when I got a job in Indonesia. And so that was really 2011, 2012. So that was the beginning of my blog. And, you know, I share a lot. I'm a photographer also. So a lot of it are my pictures, but I like little anecdotes too. And people enjoy reading the blog. And it's nice because I get a lot of positive feedback. So I've just kept it up ever since 2011. And it's obviously lots of pictures and lots of things from Mongolia since it was, you know, Five years, right. 
but beautiful pictures around the world, you know, on not just places that I've lived, but places that I have traveled to and, you know, friends and family. And I think it all then culminates in being a real inspiration and an encouragement for any of the rest of us as to what we can do, too. You're doing what you need to do, what Diane's heart is leading her to do. But I think it's still the encouragement, like, look around and see what it might be for each one of us. Exactly. And that's what I said in the beginning. You know, you don't have to go to Mongolia, which is the capital, Ulaanbaatar, UB, is the coldest capital in the world. (laughs) Um, You don't have to do that. But there's something that maybe you've always wanted to do. Then I say, investigate, you know, do it, try it and see where it takes you. That's the whole thing. Where is it going to take you? And like we said earlier, we all limit ourselves, and yet the universe has, you know, great plans and ideas for us. And so I would just say don't limit yourself. And men and women, not just women, but men also. Exactly. Well, Diane Height, this has just been its own adventure, hearing your experiences and just the positivity and the fun and the hope that exists. And I sure do appreciate that we've had this opportunity to talk about your adventures and anyone can read about in A Mongolian Memoir. Thank you so much, Kate, for having me. And and again, it's a subject that I love to talk about. So I'm very happy that you included me today. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. I've thoroughly enjoyed it and feel inspired by all that you're doing and uh, look forward to hearing more and reading more on your blog spot. Yes. All right. Good job. (laughs) Be well. Thank you for having me. That brings us to the end of a very full hour of Inspirational Women with Diane Haidt and Sunday Morning Magazine with Luke Miner, director of WA 529. I'm Kate Daniels, your host, and I greatly appreciate your sharing this hour with me and these special guests. For details you might have missed or information you'd like to know, please just send me an email, kated at warm1069.com, and I will get right back to you. Also, if you'd like to listen again or share these important stories with your family and friends, find the podcast on our Warm 106.9 webpage. Just click on the podcast tab, then either of the show names, and then look for the guest names. I now wish you and your family a day of having an important conversation about dreams, possibilities, and even drawing up a plan on how to make them real. Have a week of the same, and then please plan to join me again next weekend for another hour of Sunday Morning Magazine and Inspirational Women on Warm 106.9. Good morning.